top of the morning to you, or afternoon or evening, whenever you may be listening, my name is Scotty and welcome to Chip Time. Today is Saturday, October 16th. It has been a minute since I have been with you people. Busy week for your boy. All good things though. All good things. Fun social events, but not only did I not have time to record the podcast, but it was a really light week of running for me. Just one of those weeks where a lot of different life events, like I said, all good things, ran into the same week. So because of that, it was sort of an unplanned down week, but we've already gotten back on the horse a little bit. Mike and I did a nice I would say steezy long run this morning, right around 740 per mile, and we did a track workout the week before, last Saturday, and you are going to get to hear a discussion on that today. You're also going to be getting to hear a lot of cross-country breakthroughs and breakdowns because it was a heavy week of cross-country. We had pre-nationals in Florida State on the Nationals course, and we had the Nutty Comb Invitational at the University of Wisconsin, the two biggest invitationals of the entire year, and we are getting pretty darn close to conference championships, which lead into the regional championships, which lead into the national freaking championships. So we're on the doorstep, people, winding it up here, most exciting part of the season, and we also will be recapping the Chicago Marathon, which happened last Sunday, and telling you how the people did that we were rooting for from the last episode. But before we dive into Chicago, quickly want to run through the metrics of the show. How are we doing? We currently stand at a total of 1,221 streams and downloads and have remained flat at 36 five-star ratings, but I am still very grateful for everyone who has given a rating, and a little later on here in the episode, I'm going to give you an incentive to do so if you have not already, but thank you all for the support. It was a little bit lighter this week on the metrics, but like I said, I didn't even have time to record, so it wouldn't be fair to me to expect you to listen right? It's busy. It is a busy life. So the Chicago Marathon, if you missed last episode, what I did is I ran through six different runners who we could root for, six different American runners, talked about their backgrounds a little bit, and it's time to talk about what happened in that race and how did these guys finish. So I actually met up with Charles for an easy run last Sunday. We did kind of a run slash walk. And if you missed my interview with Charles recently, go check that one out. He talks about how that has become a big part of his training block. But we did that right around when the Chicago Marathon started. But I did get to watch it in its entirety on my DVR after our run. So the first thing of note, which which brought some PTSD to my mind, was it was a hot one out there. It was a, it was uncharacteristically hot 
for the city of Chicago at this point in the year. The big difference between Boston and Chicago here is that Boston typically is an April marathon. And so the fact that it was happening in October, we expected weather differences for many of these runners. But Chicago is typically in October, right around this time. And at the start of the race, it was already over 70 degrees. And this was at 7.30 a.m. Central Time, 8.30 here in the eastern side of the hemisphere. And that is a difficult temperature to start with because you know it is only going to get hotter. Even though it wasn't an obscene temperature and unsafe conditions like Mike and I ran with in the crim, we weren't going 26.2. So for a marathon, when your body is going to be heating up, that is a tough temperature to start with. So running through the men that we covered, we got to start with Galen Rupp, who had a great race, one of the best marathons of his career. I said in our preview, I didn't think an American would win the race, and honestly, I didn't think Rupp would finish in the top three, but my man proved me wrong. He got second place in this race. He was with the lead pack the entire time, besides a few points of the race where he would kind of sit back about 10 seconds or so uh, when they were throwing in surges that he deemed unnecessary. And he used a little bit of race tactics throughout. But second place with a 2.06 finishing time just outside of his PR by less than a minute. And in these conditions, that is extremely impressive. I think we this may get lost in the shuffle in years to come because Rupp finished eighth in the Olympics and second in Chicago. And it's easy for people like me to only remember the medals and the wins at these world marathon majors. But we need to remember 2021 has been an incredible marathon year for Galen Rupp. We need to remember this. This cannot get lost in the shuffle. Next runner we need to bring up is Clayton Young, the BYU alum, the Smash Mouth fan that we covered in the last race, he in the last episode rather, he finished 13th place. He was 106 through the half and finished with a 216. Incredible time for Clayton Young. And Chris Derrick was not too far behind him in 15th place, finishing with two hours and 18 minutes. The next run I want to bring up is Ben Kendall, the Detroit Mercy alum, who in his marathon debut finished 35th place in this race with a two-hour and 25-minute finish. And I got to say, for a debut and for those conditions, you got to tip your cap to Ben Kendall for gutting it out and running a 225. I think he has a bright future in front of him and is going to be in this world marathon major scene for years to come. I purposely saved the last two runners for the end of our segment here because they ran some pretty darn impressive races, even if they weren't as far up there as Galen Rupp. We've got to start with Reed Fisher, the White Mamba, and I Snapchatted a lot of my friends 
a video of Reed at the beginning of the race. I found him. He was in kind of the second row of the elites at the start line, and he had those signature black sunglasses, and he also had like a blue disposable mask on. Um, no one else did, so he might have just been following the rules like to a T and then tossing it off like as soon as you start the race. But he looked like a super villain with the black sunglasses and the disposable mask. So I, I Snapchatted some friends, the white mamba, ready to embark. And Reed executed his race plan to a T. He didn't get the sub 210, that was his goal. But he mentioned in his YouTube channel, Tin Man Elite, I'll plug him here based on how, how great of a race he ran. He modified his race plan prior to the race that he wanted to go sub 215 and he wanted to pick people off and and even negative split it if possible running the second 13.1 faster than the first 13.1 and so he went out in an hour and seven minutes which first of all the fact that that is conservative <laughs> is uh, a little bit foreign to me someone who hasn't broken 130 before but for him, and especially when you look at the fact that about uh, 9 or 10 guys that he passed later in the race started in the low 106s, uh, starting at mid-107s was conservative for him, for an elite guy. And like I said, Reed ended up passing 7 guys between the halfway mark and the end. And from his video, it sounds like it was all really within the last 10K, all within the last 6.2 miles. He was hawking people down, finished with a 214, a lifetime best by almost 10 minutes. And like I said, even though it wasn't a sub 210, it was a gutsy performance. And he finished ninth place with that time. So going from Looking like a top 10 finish to surging and getting past that many people uh, in a world marathon major like that in these conditions, you really can't ask for more than that. And similar to Ben Kendall, I think if you feed this guy better conditions, he's going to pop off a faster time. Uh, by all means, he was running in no man's land for a lot of this race by himself because other runners were starting faster, starting with their original race plans. You give Reed a pack of guys who are running at the same pace as him together where he doesn't need to spend as much mental energy. This guy, I think, could go sub 210. So keep an eye on that next season. And the last one I have to mention is Zach Panning, the Grand Valley State alumni who finished 11th place just behind Reed with a two-hour and 15-minute marathon in his debut, his first-ever marathon. And Zach actually did negative split this one. He was just about an hour and eight minutes through the half and ended up going 107 through the second half. I personally cannot imagine negative splitting a marathon when you're going for that 
amount of distance. My personal experience was really crawling to the finish line at the end. So that shows that the man was well trained. He was mentally prepared. He had a race plan and he executed it. So I enjoyed watching Chicago. It was on NBC. We got good commentary from Kara Goucher. And I like when you have these little backstories going into it. Where did these runners come from? What are their goals for this race? And it makes the viewing experience better. My only critique, which I understand why they don't do this on the TV broadcast, is I wish we did get a little more coverage outside of the leaders of each race, the leader of the the men's race and the leader of the women's race, because it would have been cool to see more coverage of Reed and Zach catching those guys. But instead, uh, they, they had their own private experiences through social media. And like I said, Tin Man Elite YouTube channel, you're going to get a great 12-minute video of Reed's experience in Chicago. So I am tipping my chip time cap to all of those runners, as well as everyone who competed in the Chicago Marathon. It was fun to watch, and we support everything you guys did to get to the line and to get to the finish line. So speaking of getting to the line, Mike and I, like I said at the beginning, track workout last week. We put our chips on the table trying to get a little more turnover, and there were some ups and downs, but we had a good time getting on the track. And without further ado, let's get to that discussion right now. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you may hear some birds chirping in the background. It is a shorts day. It is shorts weather. It is a foggy humidity day, though, here on a a Saturday morning where the boys decided, well, kind of I decided, I guess, (laughs) for us, instead of the typical long run, let's get in a track workout. You know, these days uh, on, on the evenings, the kids are at practice. The kids are taking up the track that we want to use. And so I was just wanting, I was kind of in the mood to get the wheels turning a little bit to get some speed and I'd I'd been putting in some surges at the end of some mileage runs and said let's let's get on the track and and see what we got so that was the decision today we're going to break down the workout a little bit talk about why I wrote it up the way I did and and sort of how the the results were uh ended up so how did you mentally prepare or feel going into a Saturday track session versus the normal dirt roads long run? That's a trap question. I told you during our cool down that I did not mentally prepare for this track workout. I thought we were going to get up 8 a.m. track workout and just knock it out and, you know, get home, get ready for some college football. Um, That was not the case. I rode up a barn burner, so... You know, it's it's one of those things where um, the last time I was on the track was actually episode one of this podcast with our good friend Michael with pacing duties back in late May, and I have battled some injuries since then and also just have wanted to get my mileage up. So unlike 
2020 when we were on the track every Tuesday doing threshold work and repeats and a lot of speed work. I haven't really done much track work all summer or early fall here. So I think I missed it just a little bit, but I wanted to get a longer track session versus repeats with standing rest to to get a good anaerobic workout in. Mm -hmm. So I will run through what I wrote up here and and what the 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 thought process was behind this before we dive into you know how things went so six miles total of volume including a one mile warm-up on the front end two mile cool down on the back end and what i wrote up here was uh, a workout where you have a mix of threshold and floats so what that's designed to do is you're never really fully recovering during this whole continuous session, but you are at least continuing a steady pace and it feels like recovery between the threshold. So that is sort of the magic of this workout is your, your steady pace feels like recovery and you're just mixing in some threshold 5k race pace in in between the session so we started with a 400 meter float and then we had 1200 meters of threshold at 550 per mile pace we went into 600 meters of a float with 1k with a goal pace of 530 and then ended with an 800 meter float and finally 800 meters of effort slash 510 Per mile goal pace so the design of this workout was we've been racing some 5ks we've identified a potential future 5k here at the end of the fall or or a four mile race maybe both we want to end faster and ratchet down the pace get some more turnover and because of that that's what this workout is designed to do is your legs break down a little bit you're getting a little tired aerobically how can your legs respond at the end so let's start with that that first piece the the 1200 meter 550 pace uh how were you feeling at that point in the workout and and how was that effort being that you weren't super mentally prepared yeah i'll i'll say being not mentally prepared as well as I could have been, as well as um, maybe not being as fresh as I probably should have been. Um, I had taken four days off earlier in the week, so kind of went out hard Thursday and did uh, five miles, two of them at six-minute pace back-to-back. So I wasn't feeling the freshest going in, but again, um, you so you paced the 1,200 today, and... It, it was a little bit of a shock to my system because I, I don't do well, and I know we talked about this last time, um, kind of running from behind. So it was kind of hard at times to keep up with you. Um, and I was like, oh, this could be, could be in for a long day at the office here. Um, but I think we ended up pacing that one just a touch fast. Right? I paced it a little bit fast. <laughs> I came out of the, the blocks a little <laughs> bit quick. 
and and dialed it back. I think we were 81, 82, that first 400, and I think goal was 87. 87 was, was yeah. goal pace. Yeah. So we went out a bit hot, but you're right. Uh, the, the second and third lap of that were, were right on pace. Mm-hmm. So I felt pretty good through that 1,200, but it wasn't quite as easy as I had hoped. Not to say that 550 pace is easy by any means, but when it's only 1,200 mm-hmm. of a full mile and it's on a track, I expected it to feel a little bit more routine than it did. So I would say the first thing I identified was personally a little bit of rust having that track speed mentality. But then we go to the float. We got 600 meters before the K, and you ask me, hey, do you want to pace it again, or or should I pace? And I honestly felt good enough to, to pace again, but I, I handed you the keys, and take it away. How, how did it feel running from the front versus me pacing? It felt a lot better. Um, I do, we, I, so I didn't do as well of a job as kind of pacing on, on target. Um, I think we ended up... A little slow a out little of the blocks. A little slow, a little slow, um, but picked it up kind of the latter half. Uh, but that one felt good, but I think, I don't know about you, but at the end of that that K, it was like, crap, like, we got to cut down more for this 800, and my legs are pretty well shot at this point. I 100% agree, and anytime, this is advice for anyone listening, anytime your legs do feel shot and you're in some kind of continuous workout whether it's on the roads the grass or the track and you've given yourself or your coach has given you some splits to some some paces to try to run my opinion is if you do feel shot and you don't feel like you're going to run that pace switch to effort and effort doesn't mean you're jogging it in effort doesn't mean you're you're just going to you're you're going to continue the float for another 800 meters in this case but it also means finish with your head held high maintaining good form and just get to that finish line with the volume you set out to do mm-hmm. so at that point this is where Mike and I split up and I could tell even though you said you weren't feeling great ready to cut down I knew you had more in the tank and I would be holding you back at that point. So we, we had a little bit of gap from our floats at that point and then you were able to, to cut loose. So do you know what your 400 split was in that 800? I, I was, I was the first four mm-hmm. was, I think I was a second off pace. I think I was about 79. Um, and then I was right around 79.80 for the second four as well. So I think I was maybe two, three seconds slow. That's holding it together pretty well. I went through at 81 or 82, which had been just under our K pace for yeah. 400. And that was when I said, okay, let's just let's just finish with our head held high. And I, I did close pretty slowly as well I, more around six minute pace for for the last 400 but I, I just ended with good form got through the volume we needed and as we were cooling down 
just kind of reminded ourselves this workout, it was for fun. It was just to turn the wheels a little bit and, and keep some speed for, for the fall. Uh, but the, the coach of this program may, you could make the argument rode up a little bit aggressively of some paces and instead of going from 550 average to 530 to 510, maybe going 550, 540, 530 would have been a little bit more manageable. But overall, it's it's not even 10 a.m. yet. We got the whole day ahead of us. Good speed on the legs and uh, probably just going to be doing a longer, easy session tomorrow to get some mileage. Yeah, kind of flush that bad blood out. Um and just eat real easy. I mean, I think you call it mowing the lawn pace on here. Um, Sometimes even raking the leaves this time of year. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The, the leaves are starting to change and starting to fall. Um, so, yeah, I don't think there's really uh, much of um, that we're trying to get out of anything for the rest of the weekend other than just feeling fresh for the next week of training and some races coming up. We do have some races coming up, so I think this is kind of what what we can end it with is there is a race at the end of November that has a four-mile race and a one-mile race, and you can buy a double admission to do both. It would be the one-mile race at 8 a.m. and the four-mile race at 8.30 and they don't give you much recovery time. They don't, but I kind of like that. And I'm I'm really mulling over if I would want to do both. So TBD on that. I have not made That's my decision. It's uh, I think that one's a Saturday, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So it's it's a ways away. Um, and I should also mention I have officially signed up for a race on Halloween. This is the Sunday one end of this month Mm -hmm. this is a 5k the hot cider 5k in st Clair, michigan so just trying to like i said maintain a little bit of speed i've already got a season's best i'm happy with but uh i love the track more than the man sitting next to me and it's always good to get out here also need to mention this track was very nostalgic for me because it's the first track I ever ran under 11 minutes for two miles. So we had to pull a bit of an audible. But uh, how are you feeling going into, you got your virtual 5K and maybe joining on the, the four mile? I think I need just need to focus on getting my butt out the door. Uh, uh, ramping up the weekly mileage again, getting up to you know, 25, 30, 35 miles a week and just focusing on that for the fall would be kind of how I'd like to go out this year and then I know obviously the legs will follow so if we can keep on throwing in sessions like this and um, you know keep keep on the mileage uh, I, th- I still think there's some some work and some accolades to be claimed this fall so I'm not writing off the rest of this year yet and kind of getting ex- excited for these upcoming races. I like it. Just trying to mix it up, not a copy-paste every week. Certainly we'll have our long runs. Long runs, very important, but you got to keep the body out of its comfort zone, and that is certainly what we did today. I was well out of my comfort zone. Anytime we step on the uh, the rubber track, I'm out of my comfort zone. So, Shout out to the Saucony Endorphin Pros. Got me through this workout. 
Uh, I'm sure you can guess what Mike is wearing. And we but the do... question is, what color are they? I'm wearing my, I call them electric blue speeds today. So these It's, are... I would say, Kool-Aid blue. Okay. We do have something I almost forgot to address. We need to close the loop on the last time we spoke yeah. over the microphone here. Mm-hmm. I pled I, I pl- I my case. I said, Your Honor, there, there needs to be a change here. There needs to be another shoe in the rotation. This is a wonderful shoe, beautiful shoe mm-hmm. that you're wearing for the pavement, for the roads, the grass. But, <laughs> but once you get into the trails, I just think <laughs> you don't really need a nylon plated shoe. And so oh, the, the, the question I have for you is, is there anything you need to tell me? Yes, I have ordered, and this is <laughs> this is more of it's more of a purchase because it's a beautiful shoe rather than something to buy that's cushioned. Um, I did purchase some Ultra Boosts. Uh, they are a half size larger than my previous pair, <laughs> but I got them half off, um, and I really like the colorway. So I told told Dana, my wife, when I bought them, I said, I just bought some cushioned shoes, so I can kind of check that box off for Scotty, but these are only for dry weather and for treadmill, so uh, they should be arriving in the mail early next week, so I'm, I'm excited to kind of see them um, in the flesh. I am, of course, glad you made this decision. I also have multiple pairs. Were these the Ultra Boost 20s? These were the 19s. Good, good. The, I, I, the reason I say that is the the 20s i have a pair as well they widened the toe box to to a point where i would almost go a, a half size down mm-hmm. so i was going to be a little nervous if you went a size up i on like the 19s 20s. that's what we had run in previously 19s um, are great i know they've come out with the 21s now uh but i just like finding deals and i like the old tried and true um you know, I don't need the ne- the newfangled thing. So um, I know they work. I know they're a good cushion shoe underfoot. So um, looking forward to reporting back on those. Boost Foam. We, we are a pro Boost Foam podcast. I'm glad you made that purchase. They were like 50% off, right? Yeah, they were 90 bucks. I think, with shipping and tax. They ended up being right around 100 but um, couldn't beat it. So You can't beat that. And let me just say, welcome to the world of shoe rotations it is a place it is a wonderful place to be thanks scotty so let's enjoy this saturday post track session and probably we'll get back to long runs next time but good to get some speed today and good to get into that track mentality it was a good workout not every workout is a home run not every workout is a winner per se but workouts like this are a good reminder that times are not everything just because we didn't hit these aggressive times i rode up for the workout doesn't mean we're out of shape or going to race poorly uh honestly that this one just means i i rode up not the greatest of workouts but it was good to go out there work hard be on the track and especially in a track as nostalgic as that one is for me. I also want to just defend 
our performance a little bit. Uh, even though Mike is not here now, I will defend him for him. So first of all, for myself, I would just like to say uh, this is not an excuse, but simply a factor that went into my performance. I did not get great sleep before that workout because I happened to be playing some Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening the night before, and I did beat two dungeons that night. Uh, again, two dungeons. That, that's unheard of. And based on the physical and mental toll that that takes on a person, I, I wasn't quite as sharp for the track workout. But again, two dungeons. And Mike, on the other hand, I don't think there was much Nintendo Switch going on, but Mike did recently turn 30. And so what I have heard is when you do get older, there are some joints, there are some muscles that don't quite fire the way they used to. And so because of that, I think we should give him a break as well. So we got to dive into some cross-country talk because we had the two biggest invitationals of the entire regular season, and I've got to dive right in because both men's races, both women's races were exceptional. We got a lot of intel here as we go into conference championships at the end of this month. We're going to start with pre-nationals at Florida State because that was first. That was on Thursday. And we will go ladies first here. And in the women's race, we saw the Colorado Buffaloes taking the win with Utah second. And I have spoken before on this program about the Utah women. I'm a big fan of theirs. They've been pack running where their entire top five of runners are competitive and work together to get to that finish line. And all five of their runners were within the top 50 in a loaded field of over 300 quality runners. And in a sport like cross country where all five of your runners matter equally for your score, it matters where your fifth runner finishes just as much as your first. So some of these teams are a little more top heavy, are not faring as well in the team scores. But it's not like we didn't have good individual performances either. Bella Williams, who was an All-American last year, was 12th place. And Emily Venters, who I, who I mentioned in the Bill Dellinger recap, was 13th. They ran together exceptionally well. But this was a race dominated by Colorado. Not only did they get the team win, but also the individual win where Abby Nichols, who is a transfer from Ohio State, won the race. Emily Covert, who is a sophomore having a breakout season, was fifth. And India Johnson, that name may sound familiar, Michigan State graduate transfer now with Colorado, was ninth. So three out of their top five in the top ten of the race and they straight up dominated. Colorado sitting at number three in my women's team power rankings, but they are making a case to move up even further than that. Mark Wetmore, 
doing what he always does. Also should mention that right behind Abby Nichols was Lauren Gregory of the Arkansas Razorbacks, second place in this race. And Lauren Gregory, little interesting here, we'll see how the rest of the season shakes out, has been a multiple-time All-American, both on the indoor and outdoor track, but hasn't been able to put it all together at cross-country nationals. She's done well at SECs, she's done well in big invitationals like this, but we'll see if she's able to remain healthy and mentally in it for the national championships. Shifting gears to the pre-nationals men's race, we saw a win, no surprise here, for the Northern Arizona University Lumberjacks, NAU, and second place here was actually Colorado as well. Mark Wetmore is doing big things on both sides, and that was a little bit of a surprise to me because there was another team in this race that we have talked a lot about on this program. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish, a team that refused to toe the line with their top five men at their own home meet, named after their legendary coach, Joe Piani. But this time around, they did bring four men who were All-Americans for them last year. Yerd Nagus, nowhere to be found. I don't know if he is still coming back from his quad injury or what the case is. So that wasn't a shocker for me. But what was a shocker is the fact that with four of their top five, they finished fifth place in this Invitational. And I don't think you can bash a team for that. I mean, there are over 30 teams at pre-nats. And fifth place is certainly something to be proud of. But this is a team that I had ranked number one. A team that many think could win the national championships. And we just didn't see that kind of depth from the Fighting Irish today. I did a little bit of sneaky math, which was if we could kind of project Nagoose in the race and remove their fifth runner and replace it with where he maybe would have scored, how much higher could they have finished? And projecting him at like 10th place, which seemed like kind of a fair projection, they still would have been fifth behind BYU. And based on that, we're going to need to see improvement from all of their top five to, to move up as a team. I still want to shout out Dylan Jacobs, an All-American from last year, fifth place in this race and in pre-nationals, one of the premier invitationals of the entire season. That is something to be proud of. Jacobs was looking good. Danny Kilrea was in that top 20 as well, but man, did they fall back after that. So would love to see Notre Dame pick it back up, but a team that is already looking really strong is NAU getting that win, all five of their top five runners in the top 25 of this race. We had Abdi Nur in fourth. He's looking like the front runner for this team. I love Nico Young, but Abdi is looking like the front runner, and I think we need to accept that at this point. Drew Bosley getting sixth. So before in one of their earlier meets where Nico Young finished just ahead of Drew Bosley, 
I thought he maybe had a little more in the tank and maybe was pack running to help Bosley finish higher. But in this case, Drew Bosley straight up beat him and Nico Young was ninth place. I must say again, not a bad finish by any means, but this is a guy who's been in my top five of the power rankings. So would have expected Young a little bit higher, but the thing about cross country that we all need to remember, I am speaking to myself when I say this, is just because you have finished high in past races doesn't mean you get a head start, doesn't mean you have an easier path to the finish. Everybody is in the fight together. So the fact that Nico Young has never finished outside of the top 10 of any collegiate races so far, I think we got to give the guy some credit there individually haven't even got to the individual winners it was the grinder connor mance taking the win over adrian wildscoot of florida state the two guys who finished first and second respectively at last year's national championships finishing first and second respectively here so i i got a shout out connor mance guy is looking unbeatable this year Hasn't lost since the Cowboy Invitational against Luis Grijalva last season, over a calendar year ago, and that man is a professional now. So Mance looking like he may be able to repeat that title. And the last person I want to mention from this pre-nationals race is Victor Kiprop of Alabama. He is a freshman. He finished third in this race. He was also eighth at Joe Piani. And I think we have a star on our hands that we did not know about. Every once in a while, there's a freshman like this who breaks onto the scene, especially if it's an international runner like this, who we didn't see going through the high school ranks in America. It is impressive to see what this guy is doing. And you pair that guy with an Elliot Kipsang, who was a 1,500-meter All-American for Alabama last year. We got some big things going on in Tuscaloosa. But we need to move on to the Nutty Comb Invitational at the University of Wisconsin, which took place yesterday on October 15th. This meet, of course, is named after Coach Ed Nuttycomb, who coached for 30 years at the University of Wisconsin. So what I would like to do before getting into the race is give a a little bit of a history lesson on Big Ten cross country, because this is specifically a conference that has sort of had the changing of the guard from one legendary titan of a coach to another for multiple decades. So this is kind of the way I tell the story and I have learned the history of the Big Ten. It starts with a coach in the 1960s for the University of Minnesota and his name was Roy Griak. We talked about the Roy Griak Invitational that took place a couple weeks ago. Connor Mance taking the win in that one as well. And Roy Griak, he was a distance guy, 
through and through. He coached at Minnesota from the 60s all the way until the 1990s and about 10 years into his career in the 70s. There was a coach at the University of Michigan, a distance-oriented guy, who started out, and his name was Ron Warhurst. And we talked about Ron on the third episode of this podcast, much in depth, but the two of them went toe-to-toe for years and years. And 10 years later, after Ron started in the 80s, that is when Coach Ed Nuttycomb started out at Wisconsin, and the difference here is he was not as much of a distance-oriented guy as the other two, more of a sprints and jumps coach, but he made some phenomenal hires for cross-country coaches, Mick Byrne and Jerry Schumacher, who coached up names such as Chris Selinski, such as Mohamed Ahmed, guys who were on the world stage, Matt Tegenkamp, U.S. two-mile American record holder, you know, guys who were, who have become all-timers under those, under that program. And because of this, it's so cool to me to think of the era of the Big Ten. I mean, in the 80s, you had all three of these guys in there. And that is why when when you look at these guys' accolades of conference championships versus like a John McDonnell at Arkansas who had like infinity championships, the numbers are lower for these guys, but it's because there was more parity in the conference. It was a stronger level of competition among three titans of coaches in the same general era. So this Invitational, the Nutty Comb Invitational, is by all means the premier Invitational for all of the regular season of cross country every single year, except for 2020, when unfortunately it got canceled. The course is specifically made for cross country. So this is not a golf course like the Bill Dellinger Invitational in Oregon, where they are marking up lines on this course for cross country. This is a plot of land that they have dedicated to cross country. And what is so cool about Nutty Comb is that it is a series of two kilometer loops, three for the women, four for the men, where each loop is different. You're running on the same plot of land and you start your your first, third, fifth, and seventh kilometer. They all start at the same point, but you take a different route through hills and trails and ups and downs throughout the trees of this course in Madison, Wisconsin. It really is everything you would want out of a cross-country course. And as I watched the coverage on Runner Space Plus, which, let me start there, was phenomenal coverage. I'm, I'm tipping my chip time cap again to the Runner Space Plus crew for that one. Uh, it is the kind of course that I, watching this, felt jealous that I never got to run there. It, it's a cross-country runner's dream. And, and speaking of Runner Space Plus, this is where my sales pitch comes in for the five-star Apple reviews. If you are someone who has given me a five-star review uh, or rating on Apple, 
you need to, or excuse me, if you would like my Runnerspace Plus login info, you may use it if you are someone who has given me a five-star rating. So in order for that, you need to screenshot me proof that you did what you did, but uh, I would be happy to pass that along to anyone who would like to use it, but you need to show me that you are supporting the show. So like I said, they did a great job covering this, and to give uh, the audience here some background, if you've never watched a cross-country meet on TV with quality coverage like this, the way it works is it's not just a video of runners in a field, and you don't know who it is, and you don't know who's in what place and what times they're running. They tend to give you a split every two kilometers. Uh, in some some broadcasts, every kilometer. And so you're able to see in real time not only the order of individuals, but also the team scoring. Because like I've said, the top five matters for each team. So you'll see where a team was in first two kilometers into a race, but then they're down to eighth with six kilometers into a race. And it depends how the chaos is shaping up. And it's really cool to see in real time that ticker changing and also seeing moves made by the athletes. So we're actually going to go dudes first here just because uh, the ladies' race was a little more exciting here. But the men's race was the Wesley Kip 2 special, where this is a man from Iowa State, third place at national championships last year. He likes to take the pace out hard. It is very much like that talented runner on your middle school team, you know, when there were not really any race tactics, but you just went out from the line, you started fast, and you held on for dear life, and just you bet your money that the other people in the pack didn't have enough in the tank to catch you. And so he started with the field for about the first kilometer, and 1K into this thing, he just made a surge and ended up having about a 20-second lead on the field with two kilometers to go. And this is a field that featured some huge names in it, the Stanford men, the Oregon men, a slew of others, Morgan Beetlescum from Michigan State, Peter Lynch from Tulsa. There were so many quality runners, but with that gap, no one had enough to catch Kip to with that short of distance to go just over a mile. So we did see Cooper Tier get second for Oregon, and he did finish nine seconds behind Wesley Kip too. So he did close that gap by 11 seconds the last two kilometers, which is very impressive. But what I am finding is that 8K seems to suit Kip too so well. A 5K isn't really long enough, and, and other runners aren't going to let him get that far away from them. But a 10K, he can beat himself up a little bit. And we saw that at Nationals last year, where a runner like Connor Mance is going to catch the guy and put on the burners. And Nationals is a 10K every single year. 
So I don't think Kiptu is going to win the national championship, but it's not surprising to see him dominate in 8K like he did today. What was surprising, however, was that his team, Iowa State, took the win. And I did not expect this at all. I thought the Stanford men, with their consistency from their first through fifth runner, I thought they were going to blow the doors off of every other team. And you got to shout out the rest of the Iowa State men, all who finished within the top 30, for packing it up and making it happen. So Iowa State taking home the individual and team win. Stanford getting second, still a very strong performance. Charles Hicks finishing third overall for the Cardinal, but this was Iowa State's day. The women's race, though, the last cross-country race we have to recap this week. This was the best of all the races of the entire weekend. A few big names absent from this race. Unfortunately, I don't know if it is due to injury or otherwise, and don't want to speculate but three women who were All-Americans last year and are in my top 10 of my women's power rankings were not here racing, even though their teams were racing. So that would be Hannah Steelman of NC State, Julia Haymack of Stanford, and Whitney Orton of BYU. So this race was not a Kip 2 type race where someone surged to the front. This was a tight pack. And the last kilometer seemed like, <laughs> seemed like a battle between two runners. Kelsey Camille of NC State, who was ninth place at Nationals last year. And Taylor Rowe of Oklahoma State, who was second at national championships last year. So it's this battle of two titans of the sport, top 10 finishers at last year's nationals, taking it. And the way the Nutty Comb course works is you finish up a hill on a long grass straightaway that is gradually increasing elevation. And we see Camille and Rowe round the corner to get to that straightaway and start working. And you see Camille get past Rowe, and and you're thinking she's going to hold on to it. Taylor Rowe still working really hard. And then almost seemingly out of nowhere, Kaylee McCabe of West Virginia has an unreal kick. And just the turnover was unbelievable. She is of shorter stature. She does not have a long loping stride. But that little engine that could chugged up that hill And she ends up winning by three seconds, which doesn't sound like a lot, but to pass runners and finish that far ahead in right around the last 100 or 150 meters, that was the chip time kick of the week. Let me tell you that, to borrow some flow track terminology. And just so you know, Kaylee McCabe, a little bit, it's not like she hasn't been on my radar at all. Uh, She is in my top 50 in my power rankings. I've got her at about 35. Uh, So I am projecting her for an All-American finish. But last year, she was not an All-American. She finished just a couple places outside of it in cross country. But here's the thing. She was an All-American on the outdoor oval in the steeplechase. And I always say, 
great cross-country runners make great steeplechasers. And in this case, I think we can throw that, that equation in reverse and say great steeplechasers make great cross-country runners as well. Last year at Nationals, two steeplechasers in the top five, Mahala Norris of Air Force, Hannah Steelman of NC State. It is a real thing. So her kick was so fun to watch. It was a great race for her. And gosh darn it, she is currently undefeated here in 2021. So I'm going to have to move her soaring up my power rankings. So that was a great weekend of cross-country racing. New Mexico did take the team win in that women's race. But doing similar math to my Nagoose equation of if NC State had Hannah Steelman and she finished around that 10th place, uh, NC State actually would have won fairly comfortably. But you do have to give credit to New Mexico because all five of their women finished within the top 30. And that is what it takes to win cross-country meets. So great race for the Lobos. They got a lot of depth. So as we wrap up the show, I know we've been going a little bit long here, but I first want to say a happy birthday to Ellie Hennis. She turned 23 years old just a few days ago, who is now training in Flagstaff, Arizona for Adidas, a professional runner, but was one of our favorite NC State All-Americans and national champions to cover in the last season when we started this show. I also want to shout out front of the program, Jason Timmerman, for grinding it out there at the Boston Marathon. And from what I saw in in many results, the the conditions were not great in Boston either. And, And that one's a grinder of the course where you have elevation gains late in the race. But my man had a great attitude um, about the race and the experience, and and for the rest of your life, my man, you can say you are a Boston Marathon finisher. Next shout-out I have is for another friend of the program, Zane Aldrich of your Northwood University Timberwolves, getting under that 25-minute barrier in the 8K, running a 24.57, the number two, I believe, Number two all-time Northwood performance. And we could see this man take it down even further. So a dominant performance. And the last one I have is for my buddy Caleb. I feel like every single time uh, we're doing an episode here, I'm shouting him out for a PR. And this is a big one. He broke 28 minutes in the 8K, running a 27.50 That was actually just about two hours ago from when I am recording this and really fired up for him. We we always get together as a squad uh, with a group of guys every week. And, you know, I was talking to him about how he was feeling going into it. And my man just always just just pretty chill about it, like not overly confident, but he's just like, yeah, like I feel pretty good. I think I can do it. And I'm like, all right, well, it sounds like you're going to do it. So he was gunning for that sub 28 and awesome to see 
uh, especially as a freshman. That That is rocket fast. So as we wrap up the show, thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, send us an email, chiptimepod at gmail.com, chiptimepod at gmail.com with any corrections, with any predictions, or any topics you would like to hear on the show. Remember to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoyed what you've heard and you will unlock access to my Runner Space Plus account that I am paying for with my hard-earned money. We're putting bread on the table and we're putting cross-country coverage on the TVs. So let me know if you need that and I will hook a brother or a sister up. And the last thing I have is the Chip Time Strava page. Follow me on Strava if you're interested in joining the group and I will add you immediately. So thanks for listening. Keep working hard and we'll see you next time. Thank you.